any takers? What hit you the most in that? The modeling. Of the carpenter, yes, the novice apprentice, and correct Johnny Land, correct the teacher, correct. I uh, see our children copying off us, correct. Our modeling staff will be verbal or non verbal, yes. Whatever they see us do, they do monkey see, monkey do. do. So it's very important for us to be a good role models for our children, amen. Did you catch the difference between or the distinction between compliance and obedience? Yes. Yes. I didn't, so I just want I I'm not really I want us to expound. I want to ask if you can expound on it a little bit some more. On compliance versus on obedience. Compliance versus obedience. Okay, good. Thank you. Would somebody help me with that? Give Professor the mic. Three professors are sitting together. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obedience. Obedience is doing it because you want to. Compliance is doing it because you have to. Did y'all get that? Compliance, like a child uh, once told me, I told him to sit down. He said, I'm sitting down, but inside I'm standing up. <laughs> that is compliance. I do it because... I have to. I have to, because you want me to. But obedience is doing it because I want to. So we teach them, so we teach them to want it. We by, by modeling. Modeling. You, you speak, right. but then you don't harass, you don't barrage, you don't uh, uh, beat, you simply model what you said. And the more you model it and demonstrate it, they catch it. Yeah, Prof said it so well. Compliance is I have to. Obedience is I want to. And when we get back on the rest of God, when we start talking back on the, uh, on the rest of God, I want to use the issue of tithe given in church to illustrate that. I, I, I won't do that now, but I'll wait till, till we start talking back about it. It's so huge. Having to or wanting to. Uh, in our modern institutions, a great example of that would be the military. In the military, you have to be compliant. I don't know anybody that says, you know what, I just, I can't wait to get to Iraq or to Afghanistan. But when the order comes from above, you have to, to keep your status. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah, compliance and obedience is, is huge. So as parents, what I'm hearing here is, we should not want to, uh, com- we, should not, we should be seeking a whole lot more than compliance. We should definitely try to get our kids to the 
place of obedience. Pastor Davis, uh, who else? Did you see a mic with you? You have it? Oh, you have the mic? Okay, all right. Pastor Davis and then... And then. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm glad to mention the military. Uh, <laughs> but, and and that, I think it ties into both home and definitely the military. Uh, I think in the home, the child must be compliant until they can learn obedience. Oh, God. Because in the middle of obedience is die. So that child has to learn that they need to die to their own ways or wills and submit to that of the parents. And I think part of that process is understanding, coming to understand that the love that the parent has for them. Because initially they don't really, even though you love them, they they haven't comprehended the love. So in, in, in the conversation, I was thinking about dad, my dad, and that initially, 16 years ago, when I came, I was compliant because I understood and knew this is what I'm supposed to do. He asked me to do something or something needed to be done. He didn't have to ask me. I'm supposed to do this. I see the paper on the floor or whatever. This is what I'm supposed to do. But through time and relationship. Relationship. Yes, that's good. My love is matured and perfected. So now I'm obedient. Amen. Amen. I'm obedient. Amen. Now the same thing happens in the military, depending on the leadership of the one that's in charge. It's not blanket. Okay. (laughs) We always have to respect the position. Yes. You know, he, she's a general, colonel, what have you. They're superior. So I'm compliant to the regulations. I'm compliant to what they tell me to do. I take, I act out the order that's given. But if they're an excellent leader, hmm. then I become obedient to them in spite of their position. Wow. Wow. Because they embellish what we in the Air Force would say would be the core values. They, they have integrity. They have service before self. They're hmm. excellent in all that they do. So therefore, I'll take the heel. Hmm. Now I'm like the, the, the man of David. He wants a drink of water. Come I'll on now. my life on the line to get him that drink of water. Mm. Because of what I see in him. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Do you guys see what's happening here? That in the multitude of cancer, there's safety. Each one of us has a measure of Christ. And from time to time, we need to, have, we need to allow the platform or the expression of, the, uh, expression, expression of that uh, measure to come forth. And when that happens, we are much more better for it. <clears throat> Professor started something, gave us a good distinction between compliance and obedience. And we got it. But now, Pastor Davis developed that further and we got it that much more. It's awesome when God does that. So I'm saying that to say to you, don't, I, I want to, I'm saying that to encourage the fellowship of the brothers and the sisters. Talk to one another. Let the deep in you call upon the deep in them. Let the richness and the measure of Christ in you be a blessing and add value to the measure of Christ that's in them. As a result of this forum, this little explanation, I'm living here that much better.
You see? So, uh, I, I don't want you guys to, 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 to miss that. Praise God for that. Good. All right. So now, Bookie, are you clear on compliance and obedience? Okay, but. Okay, that's a but. Yeah, there's a but because my kids are so young. How am I going to be explaining obedience to Andrew? Andrew has a really strong point of view. He's just two years old. Yes. So I kind of feel like at that age, maybe all what you want is teach compliance. And then maybe as they grow older and they become more mature, you have to make sure the compliance changes to obedience. I don't know. Yeah, well, no, you know. You just said it. Yeah. The issue here is not trying to give Andrew a dictionary to understand what obedience means and recite. That's not the issue. You know obedience. You know compliance. And like Pastor David said, the goal here is make sure they do what they need to do. In time, because of the loving relationship that they have with you, they themselves, without you having to tell them, will begin to do what needs to be done, not because of the reward or necessarily because of the being, trying to be compliant, but now they're doing it because that's what's in them, because of that loving, ongoing relationship. Absolutely. They, go, they will get it. Amen. Yes. Well, there's just one aspect that I want to add to the uh, conversation. Okay. And it goes like this, that compliance is externally driven and obedience is internally driven. So, for example, if you're driving on I-85 and you're going 95 miles an hour, the moment you see a cop, you know, you tend to be compliant with the speed limit. <laughs> but, for, but, so, so, but for some situations when you have actually witnessed an accident happen on 85, then, you know, you tend to be more conscious of, well, maybe I need to obey the speed limit. So it is internally driven versus externally driven. Good. So since, I'm, since I'm holding the mic, I'm going to say this before I give it to you, Selwyn. I just had a very brief conversation with... Uh, Pastor Sami Badaki, and what he said kind of blesses me. Uh, he said that compliance is the foundation like we all heard. That obedience is a choice. That you cannot enforce it. And that kind of blesses me because I was inkling towards compliance naturally progresses to obedience. But he just clarified that there's going to be a choice for that uh, child or whoever you're dealing with to obey, that you can't enforce that. So, just a, a good clarification. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, I just um, wanted to just uh, ask a question or just make a comment with regards to the difference between uh, being compliant and being obedient. Um, as far as leading by example, um, being a father and a husband, if I, being a father, wake up every morning to go clean the house, uh, for my son to say, well, go clean your room, it will be much easier for him because he has seen the example, the, the fatherly example of, now, it doesn't have, I don't do that all the time. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm giving an example. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm saying, if con I wake con up. Confess your sins, why? <laughs> but there, there are times when I have woken up in the morning, and I'm giving this as, as a perfect example. I have woken up in the morning and just say, man, I'm going to clean up this morning. And my son usually wakes up and, and, you know, he sees me vacuuming and he says, well, can I help vacuum the living room? You see, it, the, the compliance becomes much easier when they see you enacting, being more enacting as far as, far as uh, on the obedience aspect. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Where's my, oh, yeah. Scripture. Philemon 1, 
Anyone else? That's it? Good. All right. Uh, well, my wife reminded us that uh, Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. You know, so uh, back to choices again. Yes. He had a choice, but he chose to do the Father's will. Amen. You know, so that's what I wanted to share. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, Pastor Shen. I just want to add um, something here from <clears throat> Romans chapter 6 in verse 17. Uh, it says, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So, I think one way to move from compliance to obedience is to get at the person's heart. And the way, in my opinion, to get to a person's heart is to love them. Just like, like you, were, you were saying this yesterday, but two days ago, um, that based on what the Lord has done for us, the grace that we have received, you don't even want to do something that will, offend, that will be offensive to him. Well, why is that? Because he's reached your heart. Hmm. And so your obedience and your response or your response of love is a matter that is something that is in your heart. Because the grace of God, you have come to understand that grace so much that you yourself appreciate it. And that is a heart issue. So I think, um, and not to negate discipline, but, but we should, discipline should be coupled with a lot of love. So I think to, um, to um, love more, yeah, you discipline, but love more and discipline less. So that way the, the, the children will understand, you know, you know yes, um, daddy loves us, mommy loves us, but when it comes time to, dis- to discipline, they will be overwhelmed uh, they, they will know that this is not normal behavior for dad or mom to go this far with this discipline because I have a lot of love so that you've reached their heart. So, so he says here that um, yet you obey from the heart. So it's not just, it's beyond just complying with, 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 with the orders. It's, it's something that comes out of the heart. So I think uh, just to add to, to what has been said is how is to reach the heart of the children, not just the children, our spouse, yes. you know, our, our our relationship. All of us, yes. Because I, I walked into this in, into uh, this body of believers, my wife and I, um, over a year ago, 
And it was the love that kept us here. Amen. Still, 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 I mean, we've been away now for just a few months. And we came in Tuesday and just the smiles, the hugs, the love. And I was telling my wife, sweetheart, did you notice that the love is genuine? People are not just happy to see you. Just be nice. Amen. But you, can, you can tell when Amen. something is genuine. And stuff. Amen. Praise God. Good. So uh, let's just keep that. Let's, let's understand that distinction and let's just realize that we mob we model what we want to see. We model what we like to see in our families, in our children. Amen? All right, let's go next to the next one then, uh, the habits. Thank you. Any takeaways there for you? Hello? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Uh, how do you change the situation from having your kids hide things from you. It touched on a very powerful key on how to change that scenario whereby your kids do not have to hide things from you. You need a mic? he said which was uh, very powerful is you you create an environment of forgiveness and grace in the home so that there is no threat of continual punishment for what they've done so they come to you freely saying this is what I've done knowing that you will give them administer wisdom so that they won't um, fall in that area again that is so powerful you recall you recall it so well and for those of us that haven't struggled with the grace message, it's the same scenario. The reason the sin issue is trying to trip us when it comes to the grace message is because, for the most part, we have not learned to abide in the love of God. We are still approaching the grace of God with our human knowledge and practicing of love. And that's why I said to you on Tuesday when I began that David remains the greatest example in all of scripture before the New Testament of a man after God's heart. Huge point. Because given the proper environment of love and forgiveness that, that the perpetrator or the sinner or the person involved understands, they were not going to run away. Because they understand that abiding love and that grace that remains no matter what. So whether it's dope, whether it's alcohol, whether it's lying, whether it's uh, fornication, adultery. If I understand that, listen, that no matter what I've done, there is one place I can take to the bank that I'll be received unconditionally. Yeah. 
That's what happens. That's what David did. David was it's, it's not it's not it was he wasn't a blameless person. But he understood that he may not be able to go to Jesse. Surely he cannot go to his brother Eliab. But if there's one safety harbor that he had, it was in the hands of God. So much so, to show you how well he understood this, and I was not going to get on grace until after the last clip, but I couldn't resist it. Thank you very much for setting me up. When he sinned in the numbering of Israel, God came to me and said, David, pick, take a pick. Multiple choice, A or B. Should I punish you with the rod of men? Or would you, should I do it myself? David said, we don't even want to think about this one. <laughs> I'd rather fall in your hands because I know with one hand, you chastise me. With the other, you embrace me. That's what grace does. And there is no one who is born again, has the spirit of God in them, who sins, whatever the sin is, that will not know that they have grieved the spirit of God. And when that happens, because of this abiding in love and understanding of the grace of God, there is only one request for you. You may not tell your father, you may not tell your mother, you may not tell your husband or your wife, but you say it to God. So the key for us, the ongoing key for us, is learning to abide in his love. John chapter 15. First John as well. Many scriptures. Many scriptures. Now we can begin to understand the wisdom of God in saying that we should abide in love. Not just him loving us and not just him commanding that we love one another, but also saying to us, abide in love. See, this is your safety. Abide in it. Your understanding of it. Your embracing of it. Your grasping of it. So coming back to the family segment, the, the, what we just watched, we create the safety net for our children to be able to freely come to us and say, Daddy, Mommy, I blew it. This is what I did. Because they understand, number one, that they are abiding in your love and that they find grace with you and that forgiveness is readily available. If you don't establish that, you're going to be finding things in magazines, you're going to be finding things around their pillows, in their book bags, in their shoes. They're going to hide it. You'll be the last one to know it. You'll be the last one to know it. So it's up to us to create that safety for them, to be able to be transparent and vulnerable. Amen? Did we get that? Any questions about that? Rene, you've been very quiet.
since my husband and I don't have natural children, everything you're saying to me, I, I see it full circle in relationships every day about forgiveness, about having a place where people can come to you. Because think about it, most of the time when people come to you, do they come to you bearing their soul? And that's just making me ponder, you know, what kind, how am I positioning myself? I had a situation on my job where my employee didn't tell me something on purpose. And it, and it broke me, I'm like, what? So this made me think, what did I display that would make her not tell me? That's right. And it was a simple thing, so, but if they start small, and I thought our relationship was whole. So even though we're talking about children, I see this in the area of relationships. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Not with our children, but with my family absolutely. in the workplace. So absolutely. it's ministering on every level of relationship that I have. Absolutely. And you know, you just said something that I think all of us can learn from. Rather than say, he didn't tell me or she didn't tell me and fight them for not telling you. You should be asking the question to yourself, why was, what was it about me that did not allow them or empower them or enable them to tell me? See, don't ever put it on anybody else. Always bring back to yourself. Why? Why should you not put it on the next person? You can't change the next person. You are not responsible for changing them. I'm not responsible for what they do, but I'm responsible for how I respond. So even though they will have to deal and answer to why they were not transparent, I can't force that issue. But I can force bank, what in the world is, was it about you that allow these kids not to be able to talk to you? Yeah, it's important. Amen? You, you, see, you still have something? I yeah. did. Um, I, was, I was thinking when I came in here, when I saw the itinerary, I was like, I don't have natural children and I'm not married. So I kind of came in here with the mindset of what can I possibly learn? But this has been one of the most powerful sessions, actually. And um, the reason why is because the whole time I've been thinking on my relationship with my parents. And if I don't get these principles... Now, you know, as I'm getting older, they're getting older. And so eventually the tables will turn where I will begin to take care of them as they took care of me when I was Wow. Absolutely. And so I'm learning if I do not handle some of the unforgiveness and some of the issues that are unresolved, I will not be there for them Mm. as the Bible requires me to be as a child. And so I'm, I'm... I'm listening to every single thing that you guys are telling me about your children and and the frustrations you're having and and the deliverance that you're receiving. But I'm also saying, God, I want to be ready so that when my parents are unable to take care of themselves as I was when I was a child, I I don't want to have any barriers. I want to have an atmosphere of grace and forgiveness when they can't do for themselves. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Praise God. Absolutely. Amen. All right. Let's, yeah, you got something? Okay. Give me my place. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I, I'd just like to uh, share a testimony uh, because as I see that uh, this love as it matures and come to the fullness of its perfection, 
uh, there was a situation that happened, you know, and uh, that sometimes love would, we have to let people fall because um, if we don't, then they won't learn the dynamics, you know, of obedience. But I had a young man that was working for me, and uh, I kept the relationship open uh, to the point that he shared with me some of the decisions that he wanted to make. But even as I gave him instructions on things that I knew that he didn't see, I allowed him to branch out because of uh, the desire that was in him. I, I, I couldn't stop him. But it was until he left and found out that truth, you know, what I was telling him was truth out of love, that when he came back, he understood the repercussions of, uh, of not heeding. So his, his obedience was, uh, was fulfilled in, in, a, in a sense, you know, when he, but I opened, back, I opened my doors back up, you know, I didn't hold it against him. And so I forgave him for the mistake. And then as he came back in, I didn't have to get him to comply. He just operated out of obedience. Amen. 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 That's very good. We have to be especially very careful not to label our kids or label people that are in relationship with you based on what they've done. Uh, because if you're going to start labeling, you better get a lot of tapes. Because you're going to have to keep on changing that label as God deals with them and they make the progress and they make the transition. Don't label anybody. Jesus never labeled people. And when we get in the book of John tomorrow, you're going to see that. That was the entire book of John. Yep. Don't label them. Don't label them. Okay. Let's just take 10 minutes on this last clip and then we're going to finish this. And I want to close this session with some very personal instructions to you. Uh, so let's just watch this last one. And uh, you guys have been on adult exercises. Thumbs up or down? <laughs> you name it, and let's do the exercise. Anybody shout it out. She said, yelling at your children. Down. Slapping your wife. <laughs> Praying on a regular basis. Pardon me? Embracing, hugging yourselves. Forgive one another. Up. Pardon me? What is football with the kids? What is. Okay. What did you say? to your children. Pardon me? Talking down at your children in the front of their friends. Arguing, arguing when your husband wants to keep quiet. What do you think that is? Up or down? 
insanely in love with one another, what would that be? <laughs> amen. 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 Very, very good. Praise God. Any thoughts? Any comments? Okay, let's just move along, along very quickly here. Um, I want to uh, just share with us one or two uh, quick pointers as we close this session out on the family. One of the ways in which we can definitely lead our families like Jesus is to be sure that we leave something behind when we go home to be with the Lord. And I'm speaking practically on the issue of life insurance. Life insurance. Everyone in this room should have life insurance. And when I say everyone, some of the ladies are looking at me funny like, why should I have to have one? Both the man and the woman should have life insurance. Absolutely. In your notes, because I don't want to read the whole notes, in your notes, under the family side, you will see advice from, what, from people that I believe are key or huge experts on this subject. David Ramsey, Clark Howard, and Susan Oman. Life insurance is an absolute. Don't be careless. Under the family, the family part of the thing. Why do you need life insurance? Why? Exactly. To provide for your family after you're gone. So that their lifestyle will not have to be radically adjusted because you're not there. It's just common sense. Now, I know that when I'm speaking particularly to people of African descent, we have this notion of of invincibility. One, two, this religiousness or religiosity that seems to think that, well, I'm young, I'm 35, I'm 40, I'm 28, I'm a child of God, I speak in tongues, and therefore I'm exempt. No, you're not exempt. I'm going to be coming after you in three months. Everyone asking for this. I will not do you, uh, I will not be a good father to you if I'm not making sure you're getting your house in order. God forbid, because if you check out of here, I can't take care of my wife and your wife at the same time. I love you dearly. <laughs> you need to do it. Amen? Now, I don't want to have to read all of this stuff. It's enough information here for you. But we put this together to help you in your search so you know how insurance is done and what kind of insurance to buy. For sure, 
the younger you are, the better off you are in insurance buying. And especially for the young men, don't wait until you get 45, 49, 50 to buy. Do it now. It's cheaper now. Very, very cheap right now. I'm not going to put you on the spot in this session to ask you point blank now who has one and who does not have one. I'm going to be calling you, having that tete-a-tete with you uh, shortly. But if you're shopping for insurance, the cheapest and best insurance for us will be term life insurance. No matter what anybody tries to sell you, I'm telling you it's a lie. L-I-E. Term life insurance. Cheapest and best. And they sell them in 10-year terms, 20-year terms, or 30-year terms. Buy insurance. Amen? Amen? Now, you may be here, you have questions. I will answer those questions. So I'm going to allow you to ask the questions, but uh, we need to buy life insurance. Anybody has any questions on this? Or any, any difficulty understanding why we need insurance? Yes. Yes. Give him the mic, please. about the issue of um, writing a will? I was going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Any other questions on insurance? Yes. Please give her the mic. Bishop. Yes, sir. You are checking your email. No, sir. You are, you are shopping for insurance? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a question. I have a statement. Okay. Um, while life insurance is the easiest and the less expensive to obtain, when you get to a specific age, it doesn't work for us at all. It becomes triple of what you would normally pay, sure. sometimes four or five times. So you have to find other avenues to fulfill that because a 60-year-old person applying for term insurance, first of all, more than likely, they will not approve it because then we have conditions. And then secondarily, you can't afford it. So while term is good, yes, for those 30-somethings and perhaps those 40-somethings, but after a certain age, it does not work for us. Yeah. Now, I, pardon me? Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but there is a way around that. Oh, yeah. For, 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 the point she's making is that Tom, you buy them young and you keep them for a long time. Now, what I did was I had a Tom life insurance and when I hit the age of 52, thereabouts, or maybe 55, I can't remember, you have the option of converting that Tom life into another, what do you call it, variable annual life insurance. And believe me, it's a whole lot better than not having insurance. Okay? So even if you're 40 or 45, I'll still say to you, go into the marketplace and shop for it. Shop for it. Yeah. So, uh, and the older you get, the reason is, it's at 60, it, it, be, it may be difficult to buy a term life because they're going to ask the health questions and all those things. So, 
that would be difficult. But there are not too many of us that fall into that category. Okay? So I want to speak to the majority of us who are still in the insurance buying age group. Because it's very, very important. You have children, you have families, you need to be covered. Unless Donald Trump has put you on his wheel. <laughs> okay? So that, that's going to be very, very key. I think you had a question? You had a comment or something? You mean whole? You mean whole life? The whole life. No, no, it's not. Well, when you get older, it's not. Really? Believe you me, it's not. I hear you because I I was of that notion, but the people who do this for a living, Dave Ramsey, Howard Clark, Susie Oman, they they've looked at the whole spectrum of scenario, because the notion or the idea about whole life is that you buy this insurance and that it receives a cash dividend in your behalf. That's the idea. So it's more expensive at the outset, but they're promising you that every month they're going to put a portion of that insurance, of that premium, into some kind of investment that yields dividends. Believe me. It is a farce. I don't have time to read, all of the, to read the information here for you. That's why we put it in your notes. Read them yourself. Because the commissions that the uh, life insurance company itself gets eats up whatever dividends they say they're paying you. That's number one. Number two, the re- rate of return they promise you is far lower than what you can get if you put that money in an investment yourself, like in a mutual fund, for instance. They promise you about maybe 3.1%. After they've deducted all their commissions, maybe you get 0.5 of that percent at the end of the day. It's not worth it at all. It's not worth it at all. I, I used to think so, but then the, the more we did the research and talk to the experts, we find out, you know. But if you have that, and you're older, and you cannot buy a term life, keep what you have. Keep what you have. I mean, nobody's, I mean, God forbid, if, if, if you pass, they won't ask, was it whole life or term life? All your spouse wants to know is there's cash at hand. <laughs> That's what's most important. I'm just giving information that I think will be helpful because I want to make sure, as a father, we are all good stewards of our resources and that we, we take the best advantage of what's available to us. So buy insurance. Do your own due d- diligence. Read what the experts are saying. Find out what's on the market and find out what best suits your own situation. If your whole life is going to suit you better, go for it. But you're just paying a lot more money. As mine is whole life right now. But like I told you, I converted my time life when I saw that the time of expiration with time life was coming near. And if I didn't do that, then I have to be in a much difficult scenario. Amen? Pardon me? Now, for the, for the older people, apart from the insurance itself, there are Better insurances that you just can't put, you can just buy without without any medical, medical uh, uh, history. Twenty thousand, twenty-five thousand dollars, just to to be able to put you away, if and when that time comes. That's it. That's very easy. That that one. It's uh, now you can't buy that when you are seventy-nine or eighty-nine. <laughs> they're not they're not that crazy. 
Then he issued that Dr. Ayane brought up the issue of a will. That's just as important. Please take the time. If you really love your family, take the time to do the needful things. It makes life a whole lot easier in a time of pain and agony to be running around trying to sort things out. Just do it. I know we think we have, we have life, we have eternal life. Yes, we do have eternal life. But you're not going to live all of that eternal life here on this side of glory. <laughs> so just do the due diligence. It doesn't take too much time to set up a wheel. Just do it. Yeah, question, okay. I don't know if you have any expert here uh, as a lawyer. I can, a concern for me is uh, if you have investment in Nigeria and you have here, do you do one or you have to do? Uh, you do two. If it's a will, you do you, the will. You do a will, a separate one in Nigeria and a separate one here. Okay. Anybody else on the issue of life insurance? Yes. Oh, she doesn't want it. She doesn't want open question. She asked you in privacy. No, she made a comment, but when when you were talking about will, yes, and she said, "Well, you do will when you have something tangible." Yeah. <laughs> hey, you can win your liabilities. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, yes, Pastor Mary. <laughs> I know you can get the phone. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yes. That was real good. Hmm. My husband and I decided to do a will several years ago when I discovered through my attorney that if we did not have a home within the will that my children would be responsible for any mortgage that was remaining in addition to all of my other debt that I may have at the time of death. So that frightened me because I did not want to leave my children with that burden. So for us that have a home, which is tangible, praise God. (laughs) And you'd be surprised at things that you do have that are tangible. Amen. You'd be surprised. Amen. So just to ease their children, you know, your children from just the fact of death, um, that they don't have to come back and try to clean up some of the stuff. Because if you own a home and you do not have a will, the state can come in and demand that house, that real estate. So as a protection for the family, it's a great idea. Amen. Praise God. You have something? Just 
And just to add to that, even those, if you say you don't have anything tangible, but actually, even if you don't own your home, if you have policy on your home, in, that, in certain policies, they will pay your home off at your death. And that house then can be, you know, if you have a will, then you can actually give it to your kids. So they will not inherit um, the, the mortgage. They will inherit the home paid by the insurance that you have on the home. Also, I think uh, one of the benefits also of having the will, when I learned through personal experience three years ago, uh, and this was involving an, an aunt who was in my mother's care at the time of her passing. And my mother had power of attorney for uh, medical general things, and I had power of attorney for a house. But what we failed to recognize that someone needed to be the executor of her estate. Hmm. So when she passed, uh, we were able to rectify the matter, but it was after uh, spending you know, a good bit of money with a lawyer to do an affidavit and things like that uh, so that we could act on her behalf. Whereas at the same time, and I mean, there are lawyers in the room, so they can, <laughs> they can speak more professionally on it than I can. But the way I looked at it was, it was one word difference between me spending you know, X hundred dollars with a lawyer versus automatically being able to act on her behalf because I had a power of attorney and for the most part the wording was the same rather than the saying I was the executor of her estate. So so those things are important that someone is appointed as the executor of the estate uh, if you pass. Amen. Okay, so we know what we need to do. Let's get the insurance, let's get the will in place. Oh, doctor, okay. And But again, I'm going to come back to you guys uh, in a few weeks to make sure we get this right, that we get this in, in order. Uh, pardon me? I can check you off. It makes it easy. That's good. That's very good. So you and, both you and Melanie are covered. Yes. Amen. Good. Hey, praise God. Check you off too, my friend. All right, then. The, the load is becoming lighter. Check you off too. All right, then. Good. Check you off too. Wow. It's getting easier. Check you off too. Amen. All right. Check you guys through. My goodness. Is it life and will or just one that we're checking off of both? Both. For the military guys, it's the both. Military guys. Yes. Both. You're not putting that uniform on unless you have both. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, what, so what, okay. what, I'm sorry. What yeah. happens for the military people that are retired? Do it still activate? Is it still? You learn by what? <laughs> no, I said retired. <laughs> they keep it up. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. So, so really, you guys just started something here. I, I see all the ones we checked off. It seems like everybody I'm checking off is USA. My, my, the people of the African descent, are, are you guys? <laughs> I can check you off. I can check both of you guys off. Thank you very much. Okay, I can check you guys off there. Lani, check you off. Oh, wow, praise God. Pardon me? Half check. Half check. 
Just, just have one leg. <laughs> did I check you off? I didn't check you off. Not yet. Okay, good. All right. Half. Half. Ah, my pastor. Where is he? Life insurance, no will. You're halfway there. Praise God. Good. At least we can, at least we can count that money. And the, the, yes. Yeah. Today. Today. Yeah. Yeah. Today. Today. Something as simple as your checking account. There's no will and there's no specific instructions. It comes to me. No, not to me like that. <laughs> it belongs to the state. Yeah. Yes. And, and you constantly review them. Yes. Especially will. You review them on a regular basis. Well, not regular basis. As things as it demands it. Yes. Coach, you had a question? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Pastor Davis, go ahead. You have the mic. I'm glad you mentioned that because along that line, this, hopefully you don't mind the military relating to it. Uh, but I think it's appropriate here because of this missions uh, centered yes. ministry. So the parallel is, as a military member, if I'm going to deploy, well, they don't wait till I'm going to deploy. If they require me to have a family care plan, and in that plan I delegate a short-term and a long-term person to care for my children. Hmm. Because the mindset is we can't wait till you get ready to go out the door. Hmm. Find somebody to keep your children. That's right. So they have this package that you have to fill out, and you have to provide. You don't just tell them. You provide the documentation that shows that, okay, for short term, this is who's going to take care of my children. For long term, this is who's going to take care of my children. So. Amen. All right. Yes. Get him back. Uh, Pastor Sharon was asking about the retirement. You mean the military side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what the military does is you pay into a survivor's benefit, and then upon the death of the retiree, the wife gets what is it, forty percent, forty percent of of the of the pay. So that's how that works. Of the pay, of the pay of the. Of whatever benefit the retiree was getting from the military, exactly. After the retiree is gone, yeah, has yeah. expired, yeah. The pay forty percent of that pay continues on. Yes. Wow. Yes. 
Can I enlist in the military? <laughs> wow. Question been, um, this young man, uh, someone was saying you need a will in the USA and in Nigeria. They were asking the question, were asking and I said, the Yes, you do. Yes. And I was just sitting here wondering, uh, and then and the property is in Nigeria. Will Nigeria not honor the will of the U.S.? No, 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 no. no? There are two different there are, there are okay. international I laws. I just want to know why no. would he need a will in Nigeria? In That's Nigeria? the law. That's just the law. So whatever he owns in Nigeria, that needs to be on the will. In Nigeria. And who it goes to. So the families of It can go to the same person. It can go to, to the family members in the United States, but that will have to be done and written in Nigeria. Do you have a will in Nigeria? No. <laughs> you need to get a will in Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. You can have, you can have one uh, will yes. that covers all your assets. Yes. In America and yes. Nigeria. But you have to take that will, domicile it in Nigeria. And go through a lot of probate loops in Nigeria. And you are open to family contesting different things. You are open to questions about its legality, how it was written. So it's just safer. Absolutely. For you to have the one in Nigeria that complies with every Nigerian requirement. Yep. And then you don't have any complications at all. But then if you have one in Nigeria, it's best to leave it to cover Nigerian assets yep. and not cover the U.S. Yeah. Assets. So just to separate. It's just more simple. Yes. Simpler. Yeah. Now, I, just, I just wish to say one thing because I actually lived it through when my mother passed away in 1991. Now, we came up in a family of eight. And we were pretty close. But as we get older over the years, you know, people drift to different places. But when my mother passed away and they, there was a will and uh, the way how she broke up the division of what she was leaving for the boys and the girls. Our family has been having a riff since 1991 after my mother passed away, even to this to today, that that whole scenario has created a ripple in our families that today my brothers and sisters don't talk to each other just based on that one incident. So again, it's very important that we just try to get things together while Amen. we have time. Amen. You understand? Amen. I think about these things all the time. Amen. Amen. Okay, last comment on this, and then we need to move on so we can. Uh, pastor on this side had mentioned about being an executive to a family member's um, will. Um, I have experienced that sometimes we write a will 
and it goes 20 years, and as Pastor Bank was saying, it needs some kind of updating. So a person was assigned as the power of attorney, and he was the executor. Well, through the years, the executor passed. Wow. So now you need, or the person should have had an executrix to be able to take that position of the original executor. So you always have to, yes, update it, but you need to have both people. Amen. That's one good. to take the place of the other. Amen. It's very good. All right. So if you have any more questions about that, you can call and we'll talk to you about it. But just suffice it to say, get life insurance and make sure you have a will. And it's very inexpensive uh, to, to set, set up a will. It's not that difficult. All right. Uh, I just passed around some notes uh, that will help you uh, based on the... Uh, we're not going to cover the notes now. You keep that for yourself. Uh, that helps you to establish good godly family values. Uh, that was a teaching I did in, uh, two years ago in Nigeria. And um, I just decided to send the notes to you so you have it. And also, by tomorrow, the actual voice to those notes will be on the church app. So if you really think that this is something that's going to be important for your family to, uh, to know how to establish good godly family values. You can listen to the teaching and have the notes along with you uh, as of tomorrow. Uh, I want to thank Brother Sam Shomi standing back there. He's the one that's been working for us on the app. And all the teachings from Tuesday are already uploaded on the app. So uh, I, I cannot emphasize enough for you uh, making sure you get the application and all you have to do is just go to the market the application thing on your smartphones WOCFAN W-O-C-F-A-N and you get all of these messages now and the ones previously and the ones in the future will always be there for your edification on that note uh, we're going to be taking a break but I just want to leave you with some more resources that I think is going to be very helpful moving forward uh, there is a bible here called Leadership Bible uh, which is, I believe, is the Bentley of all leadership materials that I believe every man or woman of God needs to get. Uh, my first encounter with this was in the year 2000. And it just breaks it down so simply and helps you in order to uh, have a leadership curriculum that helps you grow in your leadership work. On one of the pages here, it has listed various leadership subjects, character, commitment, courage, dependence on God, humility, integrity, leader qualifications, obedience to God, priorities, purpose and passion, self-discipline, values, vision, wisdom, exhortation and encouragement, healthy alliances, and on and on, accountability, communicating visions, communication skills, conflict management, various leadership subjects or topics. And it gives you a 52-week track where you can take each one of the subjects and study it Monday through Friday. And you become much more conversant about what God is saying on those particular issues. We have a few copies of them here. Revelation will be at the uh, foyer at the end of the thing. Um, we got this for you. I have, I have one in uh, hardback copy, but this, this is in leather. So we have a few of those copies here. I just want to make sure that you're getting all this good teaching now you can take home with you something to reinforce what you've been hearing since yesterday on leadership. So it's available. We have a few copies of them. And also, along with that, this 
video curriculum we just went through today for Lead Your Family Like Jesus, it has a book that goes along with it that gives you all the nuts and bolts of what you just saw and listened to on video. I really strongly, especially for the younger families, I really want to strongly encourage that you get the book and read it. Don't just get the book if you're going to put it on the shelf. It's not going to do you absolutely no good to just have it on the shelf. And for our set ministers, I really want to encourage you to get the book and we will give you the video materials you just watched. We give those to you. So that in small group settings, you have your small groups. Have the small groups, watch the video, talk about it, and begin to get your ministry and your church going in this direction where they are learning to lead like Jesus. Amen? So we have a few copies of the books as well available at the, in the foyer. So pick up the lead like your family, lead your family like Jesus and the leadership text uh, or Bible. It's 4.04. Let's take a break. We'll be back here at 4.30.